Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, this is Learn to Kick Fear with Low. Take action. Learn how internet marketers, real estate investors, and other entrepreneurs are overcoming their fears and making it happen and being successful. You know she's got the 411. It's time to kick those fears to the curb with Low right now. Right now. Right now. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast, uh, Take Action Real Estate Investing with Low. Um, man, do I have a fantastic interview that I'm doing today with a very special guest. And before I introduce him, I just want to thank you guys again. Never can thank you enough for reaching out to me, uh, for giving me your input, your suggestions, and also showing love. On, on a lot of different podcasts and guests that I've had and how the information has helped you. That is the main purpose uh, of my podcast and these interviews. So again, thank you very much. Remember to like and share and comment um, for the podcast as well as the interview. Again, I greatly appreciate it. And as you can see here, we have a special guest. His name is Mr. Scott Freebarn. Um, he is going to talk about uh, DFW Multifamily, uh, the Outlook, how you can get started. This is something that I've been passionate about as far as multifamily over the last several years. Uh, I met Scott, I had the pleasure of meeting Scott at one of the local real estate um, investor groups, uh, the Alice REIG, uh, maybe about five or six years ago, I think, Scott. But uh, it's, it's always been a pleasure. I've learned a ton from him. Um, I actually uh, reached out to him about a year ago to reconnect with him and asked him to mentor me. So I've been going through learning multifamily with him. And uh, it's, it's a different beast than single family uh, <laughs> that I've come to learn. But man, is it more rewarding. And for those of you that have questions on how to get started with multifamily investing, and also those of you that are looking to passively invest, uh, man, you, you definitely want to tune in and listen at this particular interview. And without further delay, I want to go ahead and introduce Scott. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome. Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Awesome, awesome. And if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and just jump right in uh, before you um, get started with your presentation, or I'll just kind of let you go with the flow. If you want to go ahead and share with everyone, you know, a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in multifamily, then I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. Okay, that sounds great. Well, I can tell you that I wasn't born with a spoon in my mouth. Um, I started like most people start, um, you know, broke and uh, not able to pay the bills and wanting something better. Let me just uh, this call. Hold on one second, sorry. Okay. So, um, you know, like everyone, I was out there looking at uh, an opportunity to see what I could do to, to help uh, better provide for my family. So this started back in the day. So I started investing in 1995. Now, probably some of you weren't born then. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I started in Bakersfield, California, of all places. The uh, one of the few places on earth you can actually you can actually see the air before you breathe it. So that was a, a great opportunity for me. Um, the reason why I started investing in Bakersfield is because that's where I lived. So you know my my point with everyone is invest, uh, you know, if you're, especially if you're going to be an active participant in real estate, you got to be there. Um, we're going to talk about an opportunity where you can actually invest in multifamily passively. And um, in my opinion, it's, it's a lot uh, better. You'll, you'll be able to sleep better at night. I can promise you that. Yes. Uh, there'll be professionals that'll be handling, handling the property for you and you won't have to learn uh, this profession. So I started in 1995. My first property was a fourplex. Uh, you know, I didn't earn a lot of money. I was making 12 something an hour and I had more months left over at the end of my money, of course. And I, I am a veteran of the Navy. Never again, volunteer yourself. So thank you for your service. I was able, I was able to, I was able to buy a fourplex with a dollar and I, I could afford that. So, um, I was able to do that. Um, I figured, well, hey, you know what? If I if I buy a fourplex and a couple people move out, well, then hey, I still got a couple people living there that can pay the mortgage payment. So, um, you know, because I couldn't pay my own mortgage payment, so I had to have uh, you know this security. So I started right into multifamily. I, I didn't uh, start with single family. Uh, so I bought my first fourplex and. At, in 1995 in Bakersfield, California, it was a buyer's market, not a seller's market like it is today. Uh, I was able to buy almost one and a half million dollars of real estate uh, that year. It doesn't seem like a lot of money in today's dollars, <laughs> but, but back then I remember uh, buying a threeplex and the roof leaked. And the guy basically said, look, you know, I got one tenant in there. The guy's driving me nuts. I'll pay you $5,000 to take it. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm thinking to myself, well, Hey, you know, five grand, <laughs> that's like two months income for me. So, you know what? I figure I could, you know, even if it takes me two months to figure out how to repair a roof, that's still worth my while. So um, I bought it, um, held on to it for 10 years and sold it for a nice profit. But that's kind of where I was in 1995. Um, and I learned how to earn $10,000 a month income. And at the end of those first 10 years, I, uh, in 2005, I sold everything I had in, in Bakersfield um, and did a 1031 exchange into, uh, into another um, property in um, Dallas, Texas. And ended up with a couple million dollars uh, in my bank account, which um, 
it was life changing uh, from a guy who was making 12 something an hour. I don't even remember so long ago. I don't even remember how much I made. I know it wasn't enough. And like I said, I know there was more month at the end of my money, but it just blew me away. I just, I just can't tell you, uh, you know, it's just, it was just life changing. So currently, um, we, you know, I use buy, hold, buy, reposition, and sell strategies to earn six figures a year. In my career, I've purchased 432 units. Uh, it works out to be about 19.6 units a year. Um, last year, we sold a 32 unit in Fort Worth. We bought it for around $15,000 per door. Uh, sold it for $30,000 a door less than 24 months later. Didn't have to put a lot of rehab into it, but the thing is, is the gentleman that owned it was living in New York, so he was out of state. He had a so-called, okay, professional property management company managing it. They had nine vacancies. So with 32 units and nine vacancies, you're, you're not going to cash flow. And, and he became a motivated seller. We had to close quickly. We had to pay all cash. Um, but it was an opportunity that we were able to to take advantage of. Um, and I can tell you in the in the in the multifamily business, management is everything. Yes. Management will make you or break you. We're currently doing a rehab on a 116 unit complex east of the Metroplex, which is about 32 miles from downtown Dallas, in a tertiary market, meaning it's a small town. Um, but we'll talk about this property a little later. Okay. So this is basically me. This has kind of been my experience with, with multifamily. Um, I would love for this to be your experience. You know, I'm just a normal guy just was able to, you know, to have this opportunity. So one of the things that I look at when I do multifamily is I look at the market. How is multifamily doing? Because how the market is doing it, it determines your, your strategies, how you're going to go about buying another multifamily. Now, Scott, let me ask you a question. And again, let me ask go you, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt, but sure. I, one of the things that you said or, and, and that I, I uh, researched as well is that the beautiful thing about multifamily is that even in a good or bad market, it's still an excellent investment. But like, like you were about to share, it just depends on your strategy. You just have to make sure the strategy is appropriate for the market. Is that correct? Yes, your strategy has to be appropriate. But what that guarantees is that you're able to pull the trigger and buy a property. But you have to also make sure that the property is cash flowing. So never, never speculate, never buy a property that's not cash flowing, thinking that it's going to increase in value. Um, Texas is a different animal than California or Nevada, uh, where I've also, you know, bought and sold properties. There is unlimited land here. It's not like, you know, Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada is surrounded by mountains, surrounded by the military, um, you know, proving grounds. And California, you know, half, <laughs> you, go, you go west and you're in the ocean, you know. Yes. So, and there's not, there's not an unlimited supply of land. So the dynamics are different. Um, so you have to kind of know what those dynamics are and, and what that allows you to do. And you can't buy property here, um, the same with the same strategy or the same expectation in, you know, buying a property in California or Nevada, so to speak. 
Okay. It might be the same way on the East Coast. You know, I'm just not familiar. You know, I just haven't bought anything on the East Coast. So okay. I'm more of a Western United States kind of guy. Okay. So, um, but anyway, the most important thing is that you understand that each market is different and you've got to know what those differences are because in this business, in this business, what you don't know will turn around and bite your, you know, bite you in the rear end. So you just, what you don't know will hurt you. So it's really important to make sure that when you go into an investment, you understand all of the risk and all of the rewards clearly and so that you can make the best possible choice for yourself. So let's talk about the Dallas-Fort Worth market right now yes. and what's going on here. And it's actually very similar in a lot of other places. There may be some differences. So we're going to get right into that right now. Sure. So if you look at the, the number one thing, there, there's 13 different dynamics that we look at when we analyze an area um, to invest in. The, and the number one dynamic is job creation. So if you look right now at job creation around the country, Dallas, Plano, Irving, it's number two, mm -hmm. you know, just second only to New York, you know, you know, the East coast up there. So Strong. this is just in one, in, just in one year, this area has created over 70,000 jobs and you can see Houston is number three. Mm -hmm. So Texas is a job creating machine right now. And Actually, if you go to Texas A&M, they have a real estate center. This is what they said, that the Texas economy has grown faster than any state at 5.2% in the fourth quarter of 2017. So our economy is expanding, and because it's expanding, we are, you know, the jobs are being created so that we can handle that expansion. Right. Um, and, you know, Texas is an oil. It's a big oil state, and oil right now is, is doing really well. Yes. So this right here is a graph of, well, okay, so we know that there's jobs being created. So what's, what does that mean? Well, it means that people are moving here. You know, 682 people are moving here every day. So what does that mean? Well, that means they got to live somewhere. They, they're they're going to maybe be in a hotel for short term, and but they've got to they've settle into their job. And then they've got to look around the neighborhood and either they're either looking for a house to buy um, or they're either renting a house or, you know, they're going to rent an apartment. And that's basically one of the reasons why I like multifamily is because it's, it's a service that you are basically providing housing for, for, you know, it's a basic providing a basic need for society. So our occupancy rate right now is 94.21%. Um, you can see the, the average rental rate. You can see the construction starts, the deliveries, and the absorption. Mm -hmm. So absorption really means demand. So you've got your supply, which is the delivered units, and you have your demand. And as long as the absorption and the deliveries or the supply are equal or close to equal, your occupancy rate is not going to change that much. Okay. Okay. So supply and demand determine occupancy or your vacancy. So if the supply is really high and the absorption is not catching up, you're going to have more vacancies. It's really important. How do we make money in multifamily? We make money by renting units. Mm 
-hmm. If we have a vacant unit, we're losing money. Now you can talk about the other 15 different ways to make money with multifamily, um, like, uh, you know, your late charges, your pet fees, your pet rent, your um, uh, vending machines, and just, there's just a bunch of ways, but none of that compares to your rent. Your rent is your biggest, um, you know, vacancy, it's a, it's a big cost. So renting a unit is, that's how you maximize your money is you rent units. So it's very important when you go into an area to understand where occupancy is headed. Is it going up? Is it going down? If the occupancy rate's going down, you could be in trouble if you don't have a little bit of wiggle room in your, you know, when you're looking at a property and you're analyzing the numbers and you don't give, if, if you're too um, conservative on your numbers and you don't have any wiggle room in there and your occupancy changes, you could be in trouble. You could, you could become a, a motivated seller because, you know, you're all of a sudden you have a negative cash flow. Right. So this is a dynamic. You really have to pay attention to the occupancy and the occupancy is directly affected by the supply and demand. And in Dallas, you've got 20,000 units that are being constructed. So we've got nine, 9,800 starts. But, you know, what is what's going on with, uh, you know, what do they have that's already being worked on? And, and, and one of those uh, units are going to come online. So right. you have to see what's in the funnel. But again, it's important to realize there are different classes of multifamily properties. Right. So based on the age or based on where they're located, you've got an A property that's pristine, brand new. These are A properties. So this is kind of a different market than say a B or C or D property, a D property would be located in a war zone. In the you don't want to live there. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to live there, but a B property would be more of a mix with uh, blue collar and white collar workers. And then a C property would be a solid blue collar, you know, neighborhood. Gotcha. And each class of property has different advantages. For instance, an A property will appreciate a lot more than a C property. Mm -hmm. So a C property would be advantageous for cash flow. They, they have a very steady uh, cash flow, but they're, um, the only way you can actually increase their uh, value is to either increase the rents you know, over the years slowly or to try to reposition it, which is what we're doing with our East, um, East Dallas property or, or East Texas property is we're turning it from a C property and getting it up to a B property and changing the, the dynamic of our renters. Right. Well, I'm so glad that, making it more. And, uh, well, I just want to ask you, you know, for those that's listening and, and may be curious to know out of those classes of properties, which one I know, but which one do you mainly focus on uh, when, when you're going to invest in buy and buy a property? So we focus on B and C properties right. and, and the ideal or the, the perfect wave or, or, you know, perfect curl or whatever you want to call it is getting a C property and rehabbing it into a B property mm -hmm. because you're, you can really raise the rents and really maximize, uh, uh, really raise the value. Gotcha. So that's one of the differences. If you're really, if you if you're a single family person, then that's really the, one of the big differences between single family and multifamily is with single family, your value is determined by comps. Yes. With multifamily, 
the value is determined by the NOI, which is the net operating income. So you increase the income of a property, you increase its value. Now, how much does that value increase? That depends on what is called a cap rate or a capitalization rate, which is a big word, okay? And all it basically means is the, the, the thing about multifamily is every multifamily property is different. It's not like single family where they build a whole tract of single family houses. And so the comps, you know, pretty much can tell you what the value is. With multifamily, they're crazy. There are different number of units, different um, unit mixes, like the bedrooms are different, the amenities are different. So it's hard to compare using comps. So what happens is when a property is sold and we get a comp from multifamily, the value is taken from the NOI and the NOI tells you kind of what your return is going to be on that property. So a cap rate simply means in layman's terms, if I bought a property for a million dollars and I received a 7% return, that would be my cap rate for that property. So the return that you get on your money is the cap rate. So if it was an 8% cap rate, I get an 8% return, 7% cap rate. So the lower the cap rate, the less you're going to earn from that property. And um, it means that the price is gonna be higher. Okay, so, and if you look at A, B, C, D properties, you'll know that the cap rates of each one of those are different. So you might be looking at an A property, the cap rate might between might be between four and a half and five and a half percent because it's a brand new property you're paying a lot of money for it um so you're so you would expect your return to be less okay with a, with a b profit go ahead okay let me interrupt i just you know again i'm, I'm just thinking no, for interrupt me interrupt me anytime <laughs> so i got children and grandchildren <laughs> used to <laughs> oh and a wife i got a wife but she, she's privileged. She can do whatever she wants. She can do whatever she wants. That's right. And those grandbabies. <laughs> but um, so for, for people that's listening and, you know, um, have, you know, money aside in a self-directed IRA or in some type of savings account or mutual funds account, and they're interested in investing in a multifamily deal for passive income, what is a good cap rate? What is the, the standard cap rate? Uh, that they should, you know, look for um, as far as returns? Well, when you're dealing with, well, you want to, obviously, you want to get the highest right. interest, you know, you want to get the, you want to maximize, you know, the highest interest rate you can earn. That's what you want. Right. Um, that's kind of why we deal with B properties and C properties, because we're going to get a better cash flow. And, you know, cash is king. We want cash flow. Yep. There's usually, in every property that we do, there's two things you got to look at. One is you have to look at the cash flow because you have to be able to, at least every year, receive some kind of return on your money. You don't want to wait 10 years down the road until the property is sold to get some kind of a return. So you want, you want to get a return. Yep. Okay. That's the cash flow return. Okay. Yes. And that happens, it happens every three months we send out, you know, the checks, okay? Mm -hmm. But the other return is going to be the appreciation. Right. And that's going to be added to your overall return. So, for instance, if your, your cash on cash return 
is an average over five years of 10%. And then when you sell the property in five years or you know, between five and 10 years, however, the market, you know, whenever the market uh, dictates, because we want to be able to sell it really at the, at the, at the peak of the market. Um, and they say it's another 10% over five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that means your investment now is a 20% investment. Yes. But you're not receiving it, you know, every three months. You're getting the cash flow on a quarterly basis, and then you also get that nice bonus at the end of the at the end of the term. Absolutely. So that's kind of how how multifamily works. Yep. So powerful. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Anyway, I just I, I wanted you to kind of break that down a little bit for people that's listening. And, and, and we like we like to talk about we like to talk about these metrics because we want you to know. We are, as far as the SEC is concerned, when we talk to you about investing in a multifamily deal, it is a security. Okay, mm -hmm. and because it's a security, we are re required to do certain things so that we stay out of the orange pajamas. Okay. <laughs> and even though orange is my favorite color, I don't want to be in a ju orange jumpsuit. Okay. No. But anyway, so we need to to make sure that you understand what's going on with this investment. When you understand multifamily, you become a sophisticated investor. Yes. As a sophisticated investor, we can work with you and your investment dollars to help you to earn a return. There's also another designation by the SEC. Um, I just flipped my mind. Um, accredited investor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. An accredited investor is, is is a specific term where they are earning over their their, their net worth is over a million dollars, uh, or they're earning as a single individual is two hundred over two hundred fifty thousand a year, or as a couple three hundred fifty thousand a year. And that, when you reach those types of financial um, dynamics, basically, you become a uh, accredited investor. And the SEC figures, well, if you're making that kind of money, then, you know, you're on your own. If you understand it or you don't understand it, that's on you because you're an accredited investor. Well, you know, obviously, our, our focus is on transparency and being able to make sure that uh, when you look at at the deals that we have available that you understand the deal and that you know what you can earn. Of course, there's risk, but we want to define what those risks are so that you are you know, aware of what you're getting yourself into. Absolutely. Well, so, you have your beautiful family, your wife, your, your kids, and your beautiful grandkids. Yeah, you, you're going to do everything the right way so you don't be in that orange jumpsuit. <laughs> you got that one right. <laughs> uh, and as I get older, I just want to enjoy them more. So Yes. So anyway, when we go into an area, you know, we're looking at that occupancy rate, we're looking at supply and demand, and we want to know where that's going before before we, you know, purchase the property. Sure. So this is the this is some of the things that we're looking at. Awesome. So in the DFW area, this is basically a chart that shows you how our occupancy is mm -hmm. and what the rents have been doing. So right now being in a seller's market we have to really look at where the rent is going and where the rent is and, and the current rent that, that a certain property is charging. So if we see a, a huge up opportunity to raise the rent, and there's a lot of people, and I for one have experienced this, when you own a property, 
and you're not sophisticated, you maybe did it like I did it where, you know, by the sweat of your brow, you got into it and your owner managing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't tend to raise rents. You tend to focus more on not having any vacancies versus raising rents. Because when you raise rents, you take the risk of people moving out. Mm-hmm. Now, normally when we raise rents, we don't raise rents that much. We, we, we usually try to raise them twice a year. And we normally don't raise them more than $20, $25 at a time. Because we don't want a mass exodus from our properties. So, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the give and take um, when it comes to raising rents. But you can see from 2010 on this chart to 2018, the rent on average has gone from $808 up to $1148. That's going to create some huge value in your property by doing that. You can see from the peak of 2014 down to 2016, you can see that the occupancy pulled back a little. But it but but how much did it pull back? You're looking at 96, you know, 95 and a half percent down to you know 95%. I mean it's not that it's not that much. It's less than a percent you know a percentage rate, which is nothing really. But if you look at the light blue uh, rectangles, you see that um, even though the occupancy went down by a percent, so it pulled back a little, the rents kept on going up. So when I see the rents going up continuously, even though we see the, the vacancy or the occupancy going down a little bit, this is nothing. This, this doesn't mean anything. Now, if I saw the rent start going down, then, okay, now we've got a situation here. But, but this is, you know, we're talking the last eight years, the market has been increasing every year in, in rents. So what, one of the things that we're looking for now is we're looking for properties that have low rents. And we know that we can get in there, we can rehab the units, and we can raise the rents, you know, 100 or $200 a unit. That right there will really help us to, to what I call force the appreciation, you know, up substantially. Mm-hmm. And we may have to pay up front for that appreciation before we even make uh, the repairs and, and actually do the in- increases. That's just a part of a seller's market. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to know with a market survey, which is one of the things that we do in an area is we will, we will go and look at every single unit close to the, to the property that we want to buy to see where their rents are so we know what the market rents are so that we know how much we can actually raise the rents, um, you know, in that area. So rental increases are extremely important. And again, we're, we're really focused on the occupancy and where it's going. Okay. So here's another dynamic. This is about apartment sales. So right now in the first quarter of 2018, we had had a 50% increase in apartment sales. That's crazy. Um, Strong. <laughs> this, this is, yeah, this is, I don't even know if it's, if it's, if it's unprecedented. It's just, yeah. it's yeah. just crazy. It is. What does that tell you? That tells you we're in a seller's market. It's it very simple. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a lot of competition. There's a lot of sales. There's going to be a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. So we have to, have all of our ducks in a row when we, um, you know, I've been 
in the Dallas-Fort Worth area since 2006, so that's 12 years. I have a reputation. Yes. If I go out and I make a bunch of uh, offers on properties and, I, and I'm able to win an offer because these guys know me and know I pull the trigger and I, I get a property under contract and I don't pull the trigger, that hurts my reputation. So it's the advantage for you is that when you look for people to do business with, you look for people who have a reputation, a good reputation, okay? Yes. Yes. <laughs> not a bad reputation. Right. If they know how to pull the trigger and they know how to make a profit, then your dollars are going to, to be less at risk than working with someone who is just learning the ropes. Okay. Right. Yes. So we got a phenomenal amount of sales going on. And this is also something really looks like a bunch of squiggly lines on a piece of paper. <laughs> uh, I want to, point to GSE that stands for government sponsored entity okay. that is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac so Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are loans that the government gives us and as you can see after 2016 they are the number one lender so uh, last July I was able to get one of these it was a a Fannie Mae loan. Mm -hmm. And anytime you're dealing with a government, I kind of felt like I was back in boot camp uh, getting my physical. <laughs> it seemed like they were touching financial areas that I didn't want them to touch. But, um, you know, they're very thorough in what they do and um, they have a lot of money. But you had all your ducks. And this is what's. Yeah, that's the beauty. I had my ducks in a row. And that's why. Yeah, uh, I can tell you. As a mentor, yes. This much paperwork. This yeah. much paperwork, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I had my ducks in a row. Um, you're going to have to have someone on your team. Whenever you do a multifamily deal, you have to have someone on your team that can get the loan. Yes. The great thing about that is, with multifamily, is the GSE is bringing you 75% there. So all you need is 25% to land a deal. Yep. So it's nice to be in a country that is getting us 75% there, mm -hmm. you know, as long as of course the person that they're looking at, it, it qualifies. Right. So, but the number, the amount of sales would not be possible without lent without money. Mm -hmm. So you can see back in 2006. Okay. The squiggly lines were pretty low. Mm -hmm. that meant that meant that money was scarce okay. when money is scarce it's hard to buy property right when money is abundant it's easier to buy property as a matter of fact my loan was 3.3 million dollars mm -hmm. okay now for some of you that might man that is a that is a lot of money but to Fannie Mae they called that a small loan don't change. Yep. That is it. That is in their small multifamily loan. And I'm telling you right now, and you might think I'm crazy. It's easier to borrow 10 million or 20 million than it is to borrow less than 5 million. Yeah. So up to 5 million is considered a small multifamily loan. And those lenders out there like um, Arbor, they don't want to mess around with a small loan. They want to do those big, you know, <laughs> Those double-digit million-dollar loans, million not the small fry, yeah. not the small fry. Okay, so even though you're doing a, uh, you know, 
a $5 million loan. You're still a small fry compared to, to what's going on out there. But um, it was just really interesting to me. So there's a lot of money out there to loan. There's a lot of sales going on. And one of the things that's not usually not mentioned is the cool thing about a seller's market is there's a lot of people out there that may not have wanted to sell their property. And because of the dynamics and how crazy the market is right now, they're willing to put their property on the market. Mm -hmm. So you're, so that's why there are a lot of listings because people are saying, Hey, I can make, I can really make some money. Mm -hmm. Back in 2005, when I was in Bakersfield and I was earning $10,000 a month, I, I was fine. I was happy. I was earning more money than I ever earned in my entire life or even more money than anybody I knew was making in their entire life. You know, I'm, I'm from a blue collar, you know, mentality and, and, and background. That's my background. So I wasn't looking to sell. For me, it was a cash cow and I was going to sit on it until I died. And then a guy walked up to me and said, hey, did you know you can sell this property? Well, yeah, I know I can sell it, but for how much? Uh, well, how much did you buy it for? Uh, 910000 Well, I can get you a buyer right now for $2.6 <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, you know, I only owe about 600000 on this right now. <laughs> mm, what do I do? <laughs> so I thought, well, and then he talked to me about it. Well, you take $2 million, you go buy a bigger property is what you do. Awesome. So the property that I had was a 34 unit, uh, 5001 Apple Blossom Drive, Bakersfield, California, 933, I don't know, what's the zip code? 08? Oh, no. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, I think it's, uh, shoot, I better look that up. Anyway, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to sell it. And that's exactly what's happening right now. You've got, and, and this is the beautiful part, you've got people out there that are holding on to these properties. They inherited, they bought it um, and for a long time, and they haven't been as sophisticated and kept those rents going up because they um, wanted to have low vacancies and didn't want to bother and you know low low workload. People are willing, you know, if the rents are low, people are willing to stay for a longer time, and you have less turnover, so you have less work. So those are the properties, you know, that we're looking for. Um, to, to find that we can get those those mark those rents up to market, improve those properties because you know obviously you have to have money to improve the property. Um, unfortunately, there's no magic wand available for that. So, so this is kind of the you know the dynamics of what's going on right now in the market. So and and this um, this these GSEs this is nationwide. This is not just uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. So this money is available nationwide. Awesome. So my summary for for the DFW area is basically that there is more multifamily units that are be, that are going to be completed this year than were last year. So our supply is going to be high, but our because of our job creation, our supply our demand should keep pace with the supply. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as the rents going up, it's going to go up this year as well, but it's going to go up as a, at a smaller percentage than it did last year. Okay. And because of that, you know, because of the supply situation, it takes a little bit of time after the supply comes on board. It takes a little bit of time for the vacancies to be filled. So our vacancies will increase slightly, but the money is going to be there. It's going to remain strong. Awesome.
So this is kind of the dynamics. This is the outlook for 2008 right. for us. Awesome. So I'm sure what you're wondering is, well, how do I get started? Because really, this is about you. This is why you're watching this podcast, because you want to uh, um, improve your situation and your, your financial future and not someone else do it. It's no fun when somebody else is doing it. It's got to be you. Okay, so there are six ways to get started in, in doing apartments. And this depends basically on your personal situation and your comfort level. What do you feel comfortable with? So the first thing you can do is simply, hey, you find an apartment complex yourself, open your mouth, okay? Tell somebody about it, but make sure that you tell somebody that you trust. Right. If you tell somebody that you, that, that you don't know if you trust them yet, okay, they could just say thank you and capitalize on, on your referral, okay? Right. Now, you may receive some blessings from above because you're such a nice person, but it's not going to help you financially. That's right. The next thing you can do is you can wholesale, you can wholesale an apartment complex. Now we're talking, when I'm talking about apartments, okay, that's two units or more, okay? So you can go, you know, duplex. Like I said, my first property was a fourplex. Now I'm gonna tell you in my experience, the quicker you get to the bigger properties, the quicker you're, you become um, more financially secure. More units. Because there's a lot more, yes, more units. And more units per site. Because in all of your, it's just so many different economies of scale that you can think of that just benefit you when you get bigger properties. Right. But you have to start somewhere. And, and so wherever you feel comfortable, the main thing is, is get your head in the game, start learning all you can about multifamily, ask every question you possibly can imagine. Now, have I ever asked a stupid question? Yes, okay. I'm the king of stupid questions. But you know what? You get to a point where if you don't understand something, ask a question and you keep asking questions until you understand. And if people think you're stupid, that's their problem. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, what wholesaling what wholesaling is, and I'm sure you do this with single family, is you put the you put the property under contract and then you sell the contract to someone. You gotta make sure that they can pull the trigger. Okay. Right. Because when, when you put a property under contract with multifamily, okay, your earnest money deposit is going to be substantially larger mm -hmm. than an earnest money deposit for a single family. So you're going to have more on the line. Okay, so you need to know who is out there actually buying multifamily properties and will they be willing to pay a wholesaling fee. And I think you need to find the seller, you need to find the buyers before you find the properties. Okay. Yeah. Because you need to know, well, what area are you investing in? You know, what's, where is your market? Because if you're, if you're looking for something, you find something in South Dallas, they're not looking in South Dallas. You, you're, you're not going to be able to bring the two. You're not going to be able to sell the contract. Right. The next thing, and this is where I started, buy and hold self-manage. So I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Um, and I didn't know that I didn't know. I just knew that, you know what, um, I'm going to jump in and I'm just going to put my feet in the fire and I'm just yes. going to go for it because, you know what, I got nothing to lose. That's right. Okay, $12 an hour, I got nothing to lose. <laughs> so after I started, and I, think I did have some, I did have, well, go I, ahead. I most people that's hungry, you know, and I'm, I'm glad you shared that because, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the listeners need to hear, a lot of people try to 
learn everything and they still don't pull the trigger or take action or do what they need to do uh, to at least get in the game. So I think that's huge um, for, for people to understand and for you to share, and I've, I've shared this a number of times on my podcast, you just have to take action and you learn a lot, but go ahead. And the bottom line is your first property is the worst. You're going to just freak out. I mean, there's just, there's, once you start buying these, it's not as big a deal because you kind of get an idea of what's, you know, what to expect. But that first property is, is just crazy scary. Yeah. So, so I started to buy and hold. Now, if I could have done a bird dog and I found a property and I was able to provide the specific information that an investor needs to buy it, you know, that's, that's a low risk opportunity because you're not putting up any of your own money. Maybe you don't have any of your own money. So a bird dog is a good thing. And how do you find people that buy multifamily? Well, you attend multifamily events. Um, and you get to know who these people are because the bottom line is when, you know, you always see the same people. Okay. It's, it's not, it, it's a very small group of people and, um, it's just amazing that, that um, it doesn't change much. Then this is the smart person's, if, if they hire the proper manager, this is the buy and hold is, is a lot less headache if you have a really good manager. But this will be the fourth way to get started in apartments. But again, hiring a manager still takes a lot of your time because you have to watch them. You have to make sure that they don't get lazy. Right. And then you have the, the buy and flip where you force the appreciation. This is one of my favorite and I'm going to show you how we're doing this right now. But again, you know, this is going to, in order to force appreciation, you've got to have money. Mm -hmm. So this, so this would be more of an advanced, uh, advanced technique. Okay. But then you have, in my opinion, number six is the smartest way you could ever invest in multifamily. Because this does not involve tenants, toilets, or trash. Okay? Right. And, and I'm telling you, every once in a while, I get a flashback. Um, last week, I, was, I had my knee pads on, and I was showing my son how to lay carpet. I'm 55 years old. Uh, I was feeling it the next day. Okay? <laughs> but, but I learned how to lay carpet, and I just wanted to show my son how to do it. We had a Section 8 lady that um, you know, they had, they had her annual... Um, inspection it failed they told me hey look you, you need to fix this carpet now we're going to replace it so we installed new carpet for her uh showed my son how to do it because i never ever 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 want to do it again okay so, so right now i'm all about showing other people how to do the work so i don't have to do it anymore absolutely but it, it you know investing in a syndication means that other people do the work um and all you need to do is basically your money is working for you. Yes. And to me, that's the, the smartest way of doing it. You just need to know who the management company is. Again, it's all about the management. Yes. So those are the six ways to get started in apartments. Now, what does, if you wanted to do, be a bird dog or be a wholesaler, what are you going to need to provide for um, the investor? So someone like me, if I'm looking to buy a property and I'm looking in a certain area, you know what my area is. You kind of know what my my comfort zone is. Am I gonna? Am, am I interested in 100 units? Am I interested in the fourplexes? You know, where's my comfort zone? You got to know who your buyers are. 
first thing I'm going to need is a sales package. The sales package has to include the sales price. Okay. There are a lot of sales packages that says market on there. So whatever the market is, well, that in and of itself is a whole negotiating process. Right. Um, it just helps me to be able to, it helps me to be able to analyze deals faster if I have a sales price. Now, if it says market, the best thing to do, if, if you're getting this sales package from a broker, the best thing to do is ask the broker, what is their price point? Okay. What is the seller's price point per unit on this deal? Is it 30,000 a door, 65,000 a door, 150,000 a door? What are they looking for? And sometimes they'll tell you and sometimes they won't. But always ask that question. What is the seller's price point? Number two, I need to know what the unit mix is. So how many one bedrooms, two bedrooms, studios, three bedrooms, four bedrooms, you know, uh, or a studio could be, you know, also call it an efficiency. So what is the unit mix? And usually that's also in the sales package if you're dealing with a broker. So I need to know that. Why? Because normally we're looking for a two to one ratio, meaning we want twice as many two bedrooms as we, as we, uh, ha as there are one bedrooms. We like to have the two to one ratio. Now this property you're looking at, this picture is Hampshire Park Villas. This is the 32 unit apartment complex that we sold in Fort Worth. Okay. Isn't that just a wonderful looking place? You just want to live there, right? <laughs> um, so we had to go in there and basically get rid of all the hookers and the drug dealers. Um, we, we put in a new parking lot. So, and for some reason, the, uh, the grass needs to be uh, trimmed here. These were all one bedroom apartments. Okay. okay. So normally, so we have, we have rules for ourselves. So normally our rule is two, our two to one ratio. Well, this property was not a two to one ratio for us. So what do we do? So we had to do a market survey of all the one bedrooms in the area to determine the market for one bedrooms in the area, which we did. And a lot of the other properties had very few one bedroom apartments. So we knew that the, we knew that these units could be filled mm -hmm. and we knew that one bedroom apartments in this area being a blue collar area, there's a lot of people just getting started in the workforce. There's a lot of young families that want cheap rent. So, so we were able to take this property with nine vacancies and basically we, we went in there, we covered all the VCT tile, which is the school, the school tile, you know, that you see in your, in your elementary and high schools. Mm -hmm. We covered all that with a nice vinyl plank to upgrade the units. We put in newer appliances. Now this area, I felt a little nervous about putting in new appliances mm -hmm. because I, they might've been donated to the neighborhood. So we put in newer used appliances here. Um, you know, we fixed the boiler. This had a boiler, a boiler system. Mm -hmm. They all had window units. So we did end up putting in all new window units so that they had, um, you know, it was really nice for them. They had, and it was an all bills paid property as well. So okay. we put in new window units because we wanted to keep our expenses down. So, you know, after we filled it up, you know, after nine vacancies and you fill it up, uh, full, you, you automatically increase its value. 
And that's what we did. We forced the value and, and we were able to, to do quite well on this property. Also, so you need the sales price. Go ahead. Okay, I'm just going to say, and whenever you force appreciation, I mean, it, it's just, it just opens up. This is how you force appreciation. Go like this. <laughs> of course, right. I mean, it just opens up it. opportunities for you to, you know, you can refinance it. You can sell it if you want. It, it just depends on, on the end goal of the property, correct? But but you're in it and you've, you've instantly, well, I wouldn't say instantly, but over a short period of time that it has taken you to rehab this property, it has increased the value at, at that moment. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. Um, so once you force the appreciation, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to decide what you're going to do with your new equity. Yes. And, and like you said, you can go ahead and you can refinance this baby and you can cash out your equity and you can go and buy another property. The reason why we sold this is because we didn't like the area. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. okay. The area was not an area that we wanted to have a long-term hold. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we decided we're going to go in, we're going to, and we determined that before we bought the property. Okay. Okay. Yep. This isn't a war zone but it's, I would give it a C minus. So okay. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of challenges in this area, and this is not an area that we wanted to hold long-term. Okay. So that's something that you have to decide when you go into a deal. And when we're talking about a passive investment, we check out the neighborhood. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're pounding the pavement. We're talking to the police. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've managed a 60-unit apartment complex when someone had to have a notice served, you know, like either a warrant or, or, or even like child support. There were 10 officers there delivering that notice. That's how dangerous the area was. Right. So you don't want to hold a property in, in those areas. You want to, to buy, you can buy in those areas, but you want to fix it up and you want to flip it to someone who's already in that area, feels comfortable in that area and is holding property in that area. So that is, you know, it's an opportunity. So get me the sales price, get me the unit mix, and then I need a T12 or the trailing 12 months of the income and expenses. So I want to see for the last 12 months of this property, what was all the income and what was all the expenses. Mm -hmm. I, need, I need to see that, okay? Yes. Now, you got to be careful. This is real life. So sometimes these numbers are fake, and they look great, but they're not real. So... And Not, you taught me so that. you taught me that. <laughs> What's that? I said you taught me that. Unfortunately, not everybody is honest. You know, yeah. Yeah. you you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, of course, but you always have to check. So right. these are the four things that we need to do a preliminary, uh, you know, a, take a prelim, preliminary look at a property to see if it meets kind of our, um, you know, our criteria. But after we actually get in and start doing the due diligence, we look at receipts. We look at invoices, right? actual invoices. We call utility companies. We don't um, you know, take things for granted. So I need a T12 and I need a rent roll. The rent roll tells me who's living in that unit, how long they've been living in that unit, what is the square footage of their unit, um, how much is their rent, um, are they behind, and when is their lease going to be, you know, how long is their lease and when is it going to expire? Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of the, thing, the things that you get from a rent roll. Now, 
if you can't remember what I'm saying, don't get discouraged, okay? <laughs> I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. It takes time to learn this stuff. Yes. So yes. you can always Google it, okay? Now, I didn't have Google back in my day, <laughs> but you can always Google rent roll. What the heck is a rent roll? And you'll be able to see all the different things that you need for rent roll. And obviously you can take it uh, because you have this podcast, You've got the information right here, and, I, and you know. Normally, I'd be taking normally I'd be taking copious notes, writing pages and pages and pages. But you don't have to do that anymore. So <laughs> this is a little easier. <laughs> this is easier for you. So no excuses. No excuses. So these are the four things. These are the four things that I need before I can look at a property. If you call me and say, "Hey, Scott, I got this great deal," I'm going to say, "Okay, send me the sales package, send me the T12, and send me a rent roll." Well, what the heck is that? Well, Google it. And then get back with me. <laughs> okay. So here's our here's our property that we're doing right now. This is Stone Creek Apartments in East Dallas, in a tertiary market. Um, it's actually in Carroll, which is 32 miles from downtown, from the epicenter of Dallas. Um, this is a 116 unit apartment complex. Uh, this was a really difficult property because it needed so much rehab. The flip side is because of the amount of rehab that it needed and because of the area that it's in, we were confident that we could take this property from a C property and, and rehab it into a B property, yeah. meaning that we can, we can raise the rents a lot higher because our dynamic, our, our rental dynamic, our, our prospective residents are going to be in the, in the uh, white collar and blue collar um, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be getting white collar and blue collar jobs. So, so that's kind of the two edged sword. It's a lot of money, but it's, it's going to make it uh, even worth more. Right. It's located in a quiet neighborhood right across the street from a golf course and, you know, low crime. Now, when I say low crime, I want to tell you, this is Texas. Okay. Anything can happen at any time to anybody, and that's probably the way it is in the United States. So when I say low crime, I always have a disclaimer. Um, you know, in the past it's been low, but you know, we have no idea what the future is going to bring. But in this area, you know, you look at all the houses around the area, they're all nice, $200,000, $300,000 houses, which is, you know, in Texas, that's a nice house, okay? In California, that'd be a shanty, that'd be an outhouse, okay? Right. But here, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollar houses, that's in the upper echelon, they're, they're nice houses, and it's across the street, you know, so it's, it's a nice area. So we, we, want, we want this, if we're gonna hold a property for long term, we want it to be in a nicer area. A couple miles away also, in this area, in Carroll, along the I-20 corridor, there's a 255 acre development that's going in right now. And what's really crazy is a year ago, they built what is called a Bucky's. Now, if you're not from Texas or <laughs> you don't know what the heck a Bucky's is, you don't know what it a is. Bucky's would be, it's a gas, it's a, it's a convenience store gas station that sells, uh, everything, every, every Texan knickknack you could ever think of. Right. <laughs> It, they have 80 pumps. So they started building this thing and there was nothing around this. There's nothing around this Bucky's, nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. You know, they're, they're just going to capitalize on all of the semis coming up and down this road. Mm -hmm. 
after they finished it, I see this sign. It says, no semis. <laughs> they built 80 pumps out in the middle of freaking nowhere, yep. and they don't want semis to fill up with gas? Yep. That place is always full. Yep. I mean, you drive in there to get gas, and, and you have to wait. Yep. It is the highest grossing Bucky's, as far, as far as the city official that I talked to last week, it's the highest grossing grossing Bucky's in the state, if not in Bucky's. I'm not surprised. So, Let me say this, Scott. Whenever I, I go to East Texas to visit family, guess where I stop when I'm headed back to Fort Worth? <laughs> Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to go to Q, I used to go to QT all the time because mm -hmm. they always have great prices, and you know. But now I go to Bucky's. Yep. It's just it's just more convenient. It's right off the right off the street, but. So right next to Bucky's, they built um, they built a Starbucks, they built a Whataburger, they built um, Panda Express, they built a Freddy's, they built um, anyway um, a hotel. There's a hotel, a Holiday Inn, maybe. Just in this area, just in the last year. So bottom line is, Gross. stuff is going in, yes. and you got to take advantage. You know. You got to be able to see what's going on in the neighborhood because your your number one concern and your number one consideration is can I buy, can I fill this property? Right. Can I make sure that there are no vacancies because I don't like vacancies. That's how I make my money. Can I fill this place up? So that's what we have to determine when we look at the area. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a re, this is a reposition opportunity. So we can take this from a C property, turn it into a B property, and really go gung ho on the rent. Yes. So this is Stone Creek. This is what we're working on right now. Uh, we are actually going to, to create a private placement, a syndication for this property. However, we had a fire. So right now, while the building is, while we're working with the insurance company to, with the claim, it's going to take six to eight months before we're able to, uh, to rebuild this, this uh, eight plex that was burned. So, um, you know, nobody was obviously hurt. we can't, say that. nobody was hurt. No one was hurt. It was a 14 year old boy who was playing with fire. Eight people lost their belongings. Wow. Um, we were able to contact a church, a couple of the churches in the area that actually gave out Walmart um, gift cards so they could go and buy, you know, necessities. And we were also able to, of the eight people that had to move out, um, we were able to find, um, we had some vacancies that were in the process of, of getting them done. People that were waiting to move in, we contacted them, say, hey, can you, you know, can you wait? And we were able to move four, four people into, into other units. So awesome. That's great. Um, I've been involved in probably eight fires in my career. No, nobody's ever been hurt. Thank goodness. Yes. Um, you know, uh, we're going to get a new building out of it. So again, the property value will go up. Of course, the the two edged sword is our insurance will also go up. But well, well, that's, that's the, just you know. I think it's important for for listeners to know. I'm so glad you shared that. You know, because it's real. You know, either if you're dealing with multifamily, you're dealing with single family. You know, you're going to have these things happen. But the thing is, when, when you're working with a team, 
uh, with multifamily, uh, and especially someone such as yourself, Scott, you have everything covered from the insurance, you know, from everything that's, that's necessary uh, to make sure everything's in place in the event something like this happens. Yeah, this is definitely real, real world where, where mm-hmm. rubber meets the road. Right. And you have to be prepared. You know, this is all about risk, risk and reward. And you want to minimize your risk and you want to maximize your reward. And, you know, that's why we have, you know, insurance and, and other things in place to, to take care of that. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is, is the kid that was playing with fire, it wasn't even his unit that he burnt, that he burned down. He burned down, you know, his oh friend's God. unit. So. Well, I wonder if they're friends. So this is. Yeah, I wonder if they're still friends. Um, but you know, kids are kids, and and it's just it is what it is. You just the most important thing is is that we deal with it and we we help them where we can help with. I mean, the night of the fire, we had the Red Cross there. You know, everyone had a place to to go that night because the Red Cross said, "Well, we can you know we can pay for everyone for a couple of two or three days to get them back on their feet." So, you know, all these contingencies, you know, that's just part of the management. You have that in place. The nice thing about doing this passively is you're not going to get woken up. You're not going to get the phone call. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the phone call that the toilet overflowed and they have another toilet they can use, but they just wanted to call you at midnight because that one overflowed and they didn't know how to turn off the water. To just, they kept flushing it because you know, that's mm-hmm. not going down. It's not going down. Well, stop flushing it. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of things you deal with, but Hey, you know, doing it passively, you're, you know, you're being smart and you're, right. you're letting your dollars work for you and you're not having to, to mess with the headache. So, Absolutely. but in spite of the fact that, the, in spite of the fact that there is a headache, there's also a huge reward. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's, it's definitely well worth it. Yes. Well, let me show you the money. Okay. So this is why I love force appreciation. Let's get into, let's, let's do some of this. Okay. Let's get, let's, let's it. get it on. <laughs> so we, we purchased this in 2015 for $4.1 million. And I can tell you 20 years ago when I started this business, I would have given you 4,149 and 800 reasons why I couldn't buy this property. Okay. That, that I had $1. So maybe 799. Okay. I had 4 million. 149 and 799 reasons why I couldn't buy this property. And of course, again, there's another 1.3 million reasons why I couldn't buy this property. However, again, this is a team effort. This is not you doing it by yourself. And with a private placement with a syndication, you can put in a little money, you can pull your money with other people and take down these bigger deals. Okay, so did I need 4.1 million to buy this property? No, why? because Fannie Mae gave me 3.3, okay? Mm-hmm. So, we purchased it 2015, we put in 1.3, we decreased the physical vacancy. Now, there's two types of vacancy. There's physical vacancy and then there's economic vacancy. Economic vacancy is basically when people live in your unit and they're not paying you the rent, okay? You don't want a, a high economic vacancy, but the physical vacancy we were able to reduce to almost nothing. Wow. We increased our rent collections, from 46,000 a month to 90,000 a month, nice. okay? Now remember, when you increase the income, what does that mean to the value? Yep. Our NOI went from pathetic, basically negative, because we had to put a lot of money in this property. Mm-hmm. Our, our yearly NOI right now is $593,000, okay? What does that mean, okay? Well, let's talk about the cap rate again. The cap rate in this area is 7%. You could say it's 6.75 to 
we're taking a middle a middle figure. Okay. Okay. So if if, my, if that property was earning me, so so what price would I have to pay to get if if I earn seven percent to get five hundred ninety three thousand dollars a year? Okay, in income, and that sales price that value is eight million four hundred seventy seven thousand five hundred fifteen. So if you take eight million, now this is this is math. So if you have if you're averse to math. Just remember, you take 8,477,515 times it by 0 0.07, and that will equal your NOI. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what if you don't have the sales price, but you have the NOI and you have the cap rate? So you take the NOI and divide it by the cap rate, you'll get the sales price. Okay. Right. Now, I don't expect you to know this right now. Replay. Okay, but... It's, it's well you're going to need someone to actually show you and you can get online and there's a lot of people that explain this right but if you take the NOI divided by the cap rate you'll get the sales price mm -hmm. if you take the sales price and times it by the cap rate you'll get the NOI and then if you have the NOI and the sales price if you divide the NOI by the sales price, I think you'll get the cap rate. Oh, hold on, let me check. I don't want to steer you wrong. Let's see. I, I knew you were five ninety three four <laughs> divided by eight four seven seven five one five equals. Yep. So if you take the NOI divided by the sales price, you'll get the cap rate. Okay. So you, as long as you have two of these numbers, you'll always be able to find a third. Okay, does that make sense? Yes. So this property is now worth $8.4 million. So our net gain in almost three years has been over $3 million. Yeah. Now how many deals, how many deals do you need to do to be financially free? If you could take this deal down yourself, how many of these do you need? One and done. Uno. Okay. And you know what? I, I can count. You know I what? I can count to that. Yeah, I can count to that. And I have to, say, <laughs> I have to share this. This is one of the things that I, I, I regret and I kind of kick myself in the tail. Not, not really, you know, but that I wish that I would have done probably the first five years of getting into real estate was digging into the multifamily earlier. Um, but you know, things happen, didn't happen, life events happen, but you know, I'm just grateful that I've been able to connect with you and link up with you, uh, to, to have these type of opportunities to, to, you know, to partner and also now share, you know, with you on here to share this powerful knowledge and information. So people will have an opportunity to, to learn it, you know, and, and, uh, connect with us. And we'll talk about that towards the end on, on working with us and partnering with us. So I wanted to share that. Well, now is the time to make it happen. Yes. We wished it would happen, but now it's time to, I'm take to make it happen. I, I, I appreciate your, your comments for sure. Sure. So how do you get started in the multifamily? Well, uh, Lolita is going to share with you a link. Yes. And on that link, is, you're going to see a form. So fill it out. If you want to be contacted by someone by phone, uh, you like to talk on the phone, it's, it's better for you. You're old school. And then someone will call you. Just let us know that you'd like to be contacted. 
and then we'll, uh, you know, we want to talk to you about your real estate goals. What, what, do you, what kind of resources do you have available? What would you like to accomplish? What do you feel comfortable doing? And see if we can't help you take that next step. And that's really important is, you know, this is like jumping from, you know, standing at the bottom of the Empire State Building and jumping to the top. You're not going to be able to do that in a single leap unless you're Superman or Superwoman, okay? But you can bloody well climb the steps one at a time. So let's help you take that next step. What is that next step for you? We have to define what that next step is for you. And then with Lolita and, and, and my help as well, we can help you take that next step. So that's what we're here for. So, you know, click on that link that she, she'll give you, fill out that form and let's, let's uh, make this happen. Awesome. Scott, thank you so much. Um, it, it's just been a wealth of information and knowledge that you've shared today. Very powerful. Again, guys, make sure I'm, I've, I've gone through this with him and I still took notes. I'm, I'm still ever learning um, and refreshing uh, as I evaluate deals. Uh, but if, um, Scott, I do want you to share one thing real quick. This is a frequently asked question that, that people ask me. Well, Lo, if I want to invest in, in a deal like this, in a partnership like this, where I'm a passive investor, what typically is like the minimum investment, you know, I, I would need to have available? Okay. That depends on the price of the property. Right. With, with this 116 unit at $8 million, we, are, we would be looking for people with a minimum investment of $50,000. Okay. However, however, if you have $5 million, $5,000, sorry. If you have $5,000 and you know nine other people that have $5,000, you can form a group. And as a group, you can, you know, invest that $50,000 into, you know, into a multifamily. The lowest I've seen um, and the lowest investment I've seen is 25. But again, you can put together a team, your own little group, and, and, and form an entity, and that entity can invest with us. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'll, yeah, I, I'll leave it there because I, I, it's a lot of information that we've shared. Um, just like Scott said, there's going to be a link provided for you guys to click on for those of you that are interested in connecting with us and, and wanting to be a part of deals and opportunities like a few that you've seen that we, we can bring to the table. We definitely want you to fill that out and we'll reach out to you and talk to you like Scott said. But uh, Scott, Don't wait. Uh -huh. Don't wait until the gray starts creeping up. <laughs> <laughs> Get right. in now. That's right. Take that. <laughs> All right, Scott. Thank you so much. Everyone, thank you so much. Until the next episode, take action. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.